Amen. You may be seated today. We've been, <clears throat> we've been looking at the question a lot of people seem to be asking today. Are we in the last days? Is this the end of the world as we know it? And really, the question makes a lot of sense to me because if you watch the news at all and you see all of the events that are happening in the world around us, it seems like a very legitimate question. Are these the last days? Throughout the series, this is the third message in this series, but we have talked about the hurricanes that have taken place. Um, This past week, was it just this past week I went to Houston? Okay. This past week, I went down to Houston, got an opportunity to kind of connect with the pastors that we helped, had an opportunity to connect with another pastor that they're doing a great work down there. And what's kind of interesting is you drive into the city, and I was kind of expecting it to look like a war zone, but life's kind of going back to to, um, normal for a lot of businesses and a lot of things that you see from the freeway. But when you get out into the subdivisions, there are people with trash still piled up 10, 15 feet tall, 20, 30 feet long, just all of their belongings literally gutted from their first floor because of all the flooding that took place. And so we've been kind of looking at those hurricanes and we've been looking at the fact of all the earthquakes that have taken place specifically in Mexico, people that have lost their lives from that. The threat of nuclear war and all the things that are going on that, you know, you, you get this feeling sometimes like we are literally just one leader's bad decision away from being right in the middle of a nuclear war. And so it's this, this incredible time. And over the last several years, we've seen an attack against Christianity. It, it's, it's escalated like never before where, where what I believe, for the most part, Christians really do a lot of good things. In fact, and and I think this is still true, in just helping out with the relief effort from Hurricane Harvey, the church, not talking about our church, but the church, Christians, did more for the relief fund than actually the government did. And so the church has always done a lot of good things. Now, are we imperfect? Absolutely. And every once in a while, you run into a really mean Christian, and you wish almost sometimes they'd change teams. I mean, honestly, now you really don't, you really don't. Y'all know what I'm saying, though. You're kind of like, man, you know, you're, 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 you're mean and you're making Christians look, look bad in the way that you're responding. But for the most part, Christians really are doing some amazing things. So it's so amazing to me that society is so anti-Christian. And what happens is either Christians start really wavering in their belief or they just start being silent. They don't want to tell anybody that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to, I want to be a closet Christian, you know. Don't, I'm not going to really let you know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ because I don't want to be persecuted. But honestly, compared to what's happening around our world where Christians are being beheaded, the persecution that we might deal with of being talked about or, or slandered really is relatively small. So there's a lot of attack coming against Christianity, We've seen incredible moral decay in the United States of America, where, where things seem to be upside down. Things that used to seem right now are appearing to be wrong, and things that used to be totally wrong, society's trying to say, these things are right, these things are the things that we should be doing. And even for people who know very little about the Bible, when it comes to the end times, they, and what it actually has to say about the last days, there's enough going on in our world that people are saying, wait a minute, something is happening here. There's things going on. In fact, I think there's just a sense that you get from society. It's one of the reasons why there's the zombie shows that are out today. And I don't know if you're a big fan of those, and I don't want to step on anybody's belief, but here we go. Um, <laughs> There's a, uh, 
<laughs> There's these zombie shows happening, and I've got family that loves them. I mean, um, what, what are they called again? The Walking Dead. The dead are still walking, the, the dead are continuing to walk, whatever. I mean, there's like a bunch of them that are happening all the time. And again, I think it's, there's this apocalyptic mindset of the way our world is going. People are thinking, the world can't continue forever like it's going. And a few years ago, CNN and Time Magazine did a poll and that said that a third of all Americans are attaching the end times, the events that are happening in our world, actually with Scripture. They're, they're looking at it and they're going, okay, something has to be going on here. And it's, it's a thing, again, that seems like it's on a lot of people's minds. So we've been looking at what the Bible has to say about this issue of, are we living in the last days? Is this the end of the world as we know it? And it hasn't been a doomsday, people walking out, I hope, fearful about what's going on, though I think the unknown always creates a little anxiousness in any of us. But, but it, it's designed to give us hope, to recognize that this is, again, the time that the church gets to be the church. That when there is so much chaos going on around us, but we're rooted and established in the love of God, in the goodness of God, we're able just to go, hey, man, I'm not, this isn't my home. You know what? I'm ready for the Lord to come back. I'm just a stranger passing through and on my way to heaven. So the Bible actually has a lot to say about this. In fact, one out of 30 verses in the Bible talks about the end time. There are over 300 references to the end time, the coming of Christ, the second coming in the New Testament alone. And so it's a subject that's obviously pretty important to God that he wants us to know about. He doesn't want us to put our head in the sand and go, well, it's just too mysterious to me or it freaks me out, so I don't want to know about it. In fact, I would encourage you to study the word of God on it. Read the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation may be a little bit hard to unpack, but there are a lot of great books out there that talk about the end times for you to understand. In fact, a good one is Tim LaHaye's book, Are We Living in the End Times? It's kind of a simple, basic book about understanding the end times. So it's always been really on the heart of people. Are we living in the end times? In fact, the disciples wanted to know. 2,000 years ago, the disciples wanted to know, are we living in the last days? In fact, in Matthew 24, if you want to flip over there to your Bible, Matthew 24, verse 3, it says this, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so in Matthew 24, if you'd like to read more, Jesus gives this incredible explanation about the end times. I mean, after all, he should know, right? He's God. He knows the beginning from the end. But when you read this chapter, what you'll discover is that Jesus doesn't give the when. He doesn't say when these things are going to happen, but we do get a glimpse of what is going to happen. What are the signs? Now, we can't again know the season but we're just gonna, not going to know the day. And the only reason why we're going to know the season is because we're looking at the what? The signs that, that, that this is being fulfilled. In fact, I would tell you guys this, that there are not any other signs that need to be fulfilled for Christ to come back. So we live in incredibly exciting times. Now, I know, again, that every generation has thought that. Every generation thought they would be the generation that would see the coming of the Lord. But there are a couple things that we've touched on in this series that are very unique to our generation. 
like worldwide financial and satellite technology that, that needs to take place for the end time signs to be fulfilled. So it's very unique for our time with all of the signs being fulfilled that we could be that generation. Now, I don't know what that does for you, but what I've recognized that it does for me is it helps me recognize when I say that out loud, whether my focus is on the things of the world and this earth or whether my things are focused in heaven and things that are eternal. Because if the moment I become fearful and anxious of, God, don't come back because I want to have grandbabies. Right? In fact, that's why I've been telling my son and his, my, my daughter in love, you guys, let's get going. Come on. What's the hold up here? God might come back. I'm ready to be a granddaddy. Right? Now, my other son, he's going to get married in a few months, so he's got to wait. But the other two, it's time. All right? So... But I can recognize pretty quickly where my focus is. Am I focused on things that are temporary, good things, awesome things, honestly, even amazing things, or am I focused on the most important things, the highest priority, things that are eternal? So we're going to come back to what Jesus had to say in just a minute, but let's look at what Peter again has to say about the end times. This is the Apostle Paul, or I'm sorry, the Apostle Peter. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says this. Above all, again, talking about the end times, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. How many of you have recognized there are a lot of scoffers around us? Scoffers will come scoffing because that's what scoffers do, just in case you're wondering, and following their own evil desires. What they're going to say is, if it feels good, do it. Man, you're, you're, you're good. You know, it just feels good. Do it. Listen, the Bible's not going to tell me how to live. That, that thing is outdated. I don't know if I really believe that that's the word of God. Scoffers are going to come. And they will say, verse 4, where is this coming that he promised? Listen, you guys have been talking for 2,000 years about Jesus coming back. I think you're wrong. They'll go on. Ever since our ancestors died, Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. I don't think you guys really know what you're talking about. Verse 5, but they deliberately forgot. I think that's kind of interesting that they deliberately forgot. That long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. This is talking about the creation the, the genesis or the beginning of time as we know it, that God picked a day and he said, let there be, and there was. He picked a day and said, let there be light, boom, and there was light. He said, let there be land, and there was land. Let there be animals, let there be man, and there was. Going on in verse 6, and by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Now this is talking about the account of Noah. That God picked a day for creation, but he picked another day that because of the wickedness of the world, the world was destroyed by the flood. Now, by the way, science has actually proven that to be true. That the world at one point was destroyed by a flood. Verse 7, going on, going to talk about another day. By that same word, again, God picked another day. And this is the topic of this series, the end times. The present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. So God said, I'm, I'm never going to destroy the earth by water again. That's what a rainbow is all about. But God is going to purify, the book of Revelation says, this world by fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. 
Now, that's what a lot of people want to know about. When is that going to happen? Can you, can you give me some insight on that? But watch what Peter says as he goes on. But do not forget this one thing. If you want to know when that day is going to be, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Now, one school of thought with that could be that Peter was saying, hey, slow down, chill out. Listen, God lives outside of time, so you think he's slow, but with God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So God is not seeing it the way that you and I are seeing it. That's one school of thought, which is actually true, but I don't think that's what Peter is saying because what I believe is what the Jewish scholars believe and that this verse is talking about a seven-day earth. Now, now follow me with this. In other words, the earth is going to last for 7,000 years. 4,000 years have happened from the time of Adam to Christ and 2,000 years have happened from the time of Christ to the present. So that is six of the seven days that have already happened. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Awesome. Got a lot of time. Got another thousand years so we can go out and just do whatever we want. Live however we want. We don't have to be watchful and mindful. But listen, this last thousand years is actually called the millennium. And in fact, it's the millennial reign of Christ. That after the great tribulation, seven years of horrific things happening in this world, God is going to come back to earth and he's going to reign over this earth for a thousand years. Which, by the way, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to reign with him. Dibby's on an island in the Pacific, right here, called that. All right? No take backs, by the way. All right. So, we're asking, so Richie, are these events about ready to happen right now? I don't know. But here's what I do know is what Peter continues with. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Why? Instead, he is patient with you. Now, how many of you would be honest enough to say you are incredibly thankful that God is patient with you? When you understand how patient God has been with you, how many of you know it's easy to be patient with someone else? Sometimes, right? Depends on if you're remembering that God was patient with you. Because if you ever forget that God was patient with you, you quickly become impatient with people around you. Preach it, Pastor Richie. Come on. Instead, he is patient with you. Watch why. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen, I believe that God is so ready for you and I to be in heaven with him, but he is not slow in fulfilling his promises because he is being patient. He's being patient with the world right now because he does not want anyone to perish. See, and I love that about our God. I love the fact that he's patient with me. I love that he's even patient with our world because he wants everyone to come to repentance to change their mind about the goodness of God. And this makes it incredibly clear that God has destined every person to be saved. It has, God has not destined some for hell, but they have to choose him, but he has destined them for salvation. But you need to understand this also if you're dead set on trying to figure out when is all this going to happen. Pastor Rich, I just got to know when. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. See, you're not going to know exactly when it's going to happen. Instead, what will happen is the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Wow. 
can happen. We don't know the, 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 the when, but we know the what. We know the signs. So what are, from this text, can we learn about what are some of the signs? How can you and I recognize the signs that are going to decide what the end of time looks like? Well, here's what we learn from this passage in 2 Peter. The first thing is that people are going to be distracted with life. Let me say that again. People are going to be distracted with life. See, that's why a lot of people are not going to recognize as the end times are being played out. Because they're so distracted with things going on in their life. They started looking around, and remember, it said they started following their own evil desires. They started deciding, well, I'm just going to do what seems right in my own eyes. And they became scoffers. And they said, it doesn't really matter how I live. God's been saying for a long time he's coming back, but he's probably really not coming back. So it's not really that important how I live. Listen, it's an incredibly dangerous place for us to get. You got to hear that today when we, we get so distracted by the cares of this life. Well, Pastor Richie, that's not me. Maybe it isn't. But I think all of us need to ask ourselves, how much of the things of God am I focused on and how much of the things of the world am I focused on? It's pretty simple just to think about it for just a moment. And listen, God's not beating you up mad or disappointed at you. He knew before the beginning of time that you would be in this moment thinking more about the world than about him. That's why he brought me here today to remind you, hey, get your eyes off the things that are temporary, the things that are going to let you down, the things that are going to disappoint you, and get on things that are eternal, things that last forever. So all of us need to be asking ourselves that question. Because we need to remember that we may not be living in the last days, but we're certainly living in our last days. The Bible says this about life, it's just a vapor. It literally is here one moment and gone the next. So we need to make sure that we don't get caught up and focused on this life and the pleasures of this life that are temporary. Now, does God want us to enjoy the life that we live in? Absolutely he does. I promise you, he wants you to be more blessed than you want to be blessed. I'm telling you, that's just how amazing and good God is. But listen, we've got to remember that it's not about this life. That this life is temporary, 80, 90, 100, 110, 120, how long are you going to live? All right, it's, this is how much time we have, but compared to eternity that's going to last forever, I'm telling you, this life is temporary, Let's go back to what Jesus talks about in the last days in Matthew 24. He says that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage, living life, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. They didn't believe Noah's message. Pastor Richie, they probably only heard it one time. He preached for 120 years that rain was coming you got to realize, they'd never seen rain before. So they didn't understand what it meant. But he's preaching a message of salvation because their finite minds didn't understand what an infinite God was about to do. They rejected his message. They didn't simply walk into the boat with the rest of the, the people and the animals. They didn't believe his message. It's like many people today, they're not believing the message. Whether that's not coming to Christ in the first place or for followers of Jesus Christ that have just remained at this infant level and they're really not believing all of the things that God wants them to walk in. That again, God wants something for you, not something from you. 
Verse 39, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So the first thing that we see is that people are going to be distracted by life. We see it happening outside of church. People are running to and fro. People are busier today than they've ever been. I wish I could say that it wasn't happening inside of the church, but unfortunately, it's happening inside of the church too. That we're allowing good things to get us so busy, to get us so distracted, that we barely have time to work God into our life. Preach it, Pastor Richie. Instead of God being at the center of our life, we're just working him in about every six Sundays when we can work him in. So that's the first thing. Second thing that the Apostle Peter gave us in this passage is that people are going to forget God. People are going to forget God. Listen, there's, there's going to be a generation that is going to pull away from God. How's this playing out on the earth right now? Well, all around the world, the gospel is growing like crazy in nations all over the world. In fact, in China, nearly 10% of the Chinese people are now profess, professing believers. They're, they're establishing underground churches all of the time in China. However, in America, some stats show the church declining. Others say that it's flatlining, that it's, that it's grown stagnant. And what is happening is there, there are healthy churches and vibrant churches that are preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, that are helping people understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you never did anything to earn your salvation. You can't ever do anything to earn your salvation. But because of the fact that you are in Christ, They're walking out righteous lifestyles, and God is showing up in amazing ways in their life. And yet, at the same time, there are others in society that are pulling away from the church like never before. It used to be in society that even if people didn't go to church, they at least adhered to some of the values of Christianity. Not so much anymore. In fact, our nation is becoming more divided and more polarized than ever before. In fact, the extremes are like they've never been before. But here's some stats that kind of should wake us all up to recognize how important it is that I'm involved, you're involved, we're involved in the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. It's not just for me. It's not just for the pastoral staff. It's for every one of us. Y'all with me? Okay, about 20 of you. All right. So here's some stats that I want you to see. The builder generation, this was my parents. At some of you, it's your grandparents. These are people born from 1927 to 1945. 65% of them were Bible-based believers. They were Bible-based. Two-thirds of them were Bible-based believers. The next generation, the boomer generation, was from 1946 to 1964. This is what I am at. I'm at the tail end of the boomer generation, born in 1963. In case you're wondering, I'm 53, so you don't have to do all the math in your head. And 35% of them are Bible-based believers. The buster generation, from 1965 to 1983, 16% of them are Bible-based believers. Are y'all seeing a trend here that is happening? What's the last generation? The millennials, born from 1984 to the present, 4% are Bible-based believers. 4%. That's why as a church, we're giving a lot of attention to our children's ministry, to our student ministry, to our young adult ministry. That's why our services are so contemporary, why we're, why we're doing, where, why I'm wearing these pants today <laughs> that are a little snug, 
They're a little more snug than normal because these are the non-drying pants that got dried, so I had to put them on a lot this morning and do a lot of this. Because when I was talking earlier, it was like, well, I'm really getting excited about preaching the Word of God today. <laughs> now, I'm not in any way trying to say that I am a fashion consultant at all. But I am more and more, my wife and my kids are actually picking out my clothing. So I'll hold it up going, huh? And they're like, oh, Dad, no, right? But it's why we're doing this, why we use lights and haze. Listen, it's because we're trying to reach a generation that has seriously lost its way. And so we're asking you to be a part of that. We're asking you to, maybe the music's not your favorite style and it's a little bit loud and you're kind of like, why do they have the lights flashing around? Listen, we're trying to reach a generation because we are seeing that that generation that, that needs God and we're seeing become a bigger part of our services all the time. We're seeing, man, a lot of you guys are a part of that generation and man, way to go. I want to encourage you, you might be in the 4%, but what if next year we're at 5%? And what if the year after that we're at 10%? Because we began to be on mission what it is that God's called us to do. Because we are trying to reach a generation that has seriously lost its way. And we have to do everything that we can do to reverse the trend of what is happening to that generation. That's moving away from God. Listen, when, when we get in the darkness, we typically don't move from extreme light to all of a sudden in complete darkness what happens is there is a generation that goes and compromises and what we, we do in compromise our children will do in excess so what happens is we're we're in the light and we're living right but a veil comes over and we just take one small step one small area of compromise we take another step we take another step we take another step i talk to people enough and counsel people enough to know they didn't go from totally loving their wife to ready to get a divorce they don't typically go from being a radical follower of jesus to somebody who's who's wondering about their faith in christ jesus it's one moment at a time one step at a time that a shade comes over and a shade comes over and a shade comes over and suddenly they're in the darkness but it feels like the light if you don't believe me, try this sometime. Get in your bedroom, shut all the windows and doors, put, put up the curtains, close the curtains, have the lights on bright, and then shut off the lights, and you will not be able to see for several seconds, possibly a minute. But as you get accustomed to the light, suddenly you'll begin to recognize things. The little light on the TV. Didn't that thing drive you nuts in the middle of the night? You wake up, that little light on the TV feels like a neon light shining on you. It starts to illuminate the room. And what happens in our lives is we walk in subtle compromise all the time. We allow things to come into our life. Listen, the boomer generation is the generation that is leading this country right now. We're the CEOs, the pastors, the government officials, the judges. And this is where we're at as a nation with 35% of our leaders being Bible-based. What is going to happen if revival does not happen to the coming generations? So people are going to forget God. Why? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. It's about the wickedness of our society, things that are happening on the internet. Listen, I want to encourage you, be very careful with Google searches that you do. Porn is figuring out all kinds of incredible ways that you can search a word that seems very generic and very okay and the wrong thing can pop up. You've got to be careful with the internet. TV. 
I don't watch many television programs on TV, but I see the commercials for them, and their they're name's like Lucifer. They're, na- they're, they're very godless in what they're doing. And listen, we allow things to come through our computer and through our TV that we would never allow to walk through our front door. And we don't recognize, but we're being changed. We're, we're buying into the lie, this is okay. Social media. People are willing to say things about people that they're, they're hidden behind their computer or their iPhone. Then they say things. Listen, Snapchat, people send naked pictures of themselves because they believe they'll disappear. Listen, all they got to do is take a screenshot and they've got it forever. We've got to recognize the wickedness of the society in which we live in. What it does is it creates a dullness in our lives towards the things of God. And we typically don't go from, God, I don't believe your promises, but it's, I'm not sure about the promise. God, I don't know about that promise. God, I I don't think that I believe that promise. God, that promise actually isn't true. It creates a dullness in our lives. So we've we've got to stay sharp. You've got to be in the word. You've got to, listen, you don't have to legalistically do it all the time, but you've got to get up in the morning, set your life right. I sent out a devotional to some people. I sent it out, and I talked about the devotional, saying, look, this is the time when you get to set your day towards the things of God. Because you may have woken up in the morning and you've had a little bit of a bad attitude or, or some things wrestling through and you start thinking of the wrong things and suddenly if you let those things keep going, they're going to set your mind in the wrong direction. You've got to get up and get into the word of God. Take those thoughts captive. Make them obedient unto Christ. So people are going to forget about God. Listen, Jesus, here's the third and final thing that, the, that Peter actually teaches us is that people are not going to be ready. People are not going to be ready. They're, they're not ready for the return of Christ. In fact, Jesus, going back to Matthew 24, Jesus said that two men will be in the field. One will be taken up and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand meal. One will be taken and the other left. Verse 42, therefore, keep watch. Listen, it's a, it's a challenge for us as followers of Jesus Christ. God has blessed so many of us in such amazing ways. There's this wonderful life we have, this financial blessing, these great relationships, and all these things that are really good things, but we've got to keep watch. We've got to stay alert. We can't get distracted by the things that are going on around us because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. I know that some of you, and I believe it's probably a smaller group of people here, might be a little bit disappointed that in this series, Finding a Friend for the End of the World, that we didn't get out some charts about the end times and kind of do a whole teaching on eschatology or, or name a date. Um, hey, this is when God's coming back. I just, man, I just know it. I just know it. Or, or name the Antichrist. Um, that's been another one of my favorites. And, and if you want to do all that, do some speculation, that's awesome. Honestly, great. Go do it. But do it in pencil. All right? <laughs> Seriously, because... This is not anything new that people have been saying, we're going to be the generation. We're going, to, we're going to be the generation. Because the main point of this series is about you and I having a friend for the end of the world. Somebody that we can walk through life with. It doesn't matter how crazy the world around us gets. If we will keep our eyes on Jesus, keep our lives locked into him, following him, pursuing him, not out of this responsibility that I've got to do this just because if I do this, God will love me more, but simply because of the fact we understand how much he loves us. We know that he's got only good things in store for us. That many, even that song we were singing earlier, and it's just a repetitive, you are good, you're good, whoa, whoa, you're good. Man, I pray that just goes through your mind all the time that you're remembering how good God is because when you get that, you want to live for him. You want to follow after him.
So that's the main point of this series, is us finding a friend for the end of the world. I know some of you are thinking about this issue of eschatology, but Richie, that's a lot more fun. That's a lot more interesting, and I agree it's a lot more entertaining, but I want to ask you, what's more important? What's more important? See, we don't really need to know if we're in the last days. You just need to know what to do with the last days that you've been given. We just need to be like the men of Iskar, the, the verse that we started out this series with from 1 Chronicles 12 that says about this, the men of Iskar, they did three things. They understood their times and they knew what Israel should do. We need to understand the times that we live in. We need to understand there are, there are a lot of family and friends that, that you and I have that do not have a friend in Jesus. They've never made him their savior and they've never made him their Lord. And we've, we've got to stop saying, God, could you send somebody to go help them? We need to recognize we are the sent one. We're the one that's in their life. We're the one that gets the opportunity that when they're hateful and mean to us, we get to show the love of Jesus back to them. And that in those moments when they're saying, man, what happened in your life? How did that financial situation happen? How did that healing happen? How? You get an opportunity to say, let me tell you about the goodness of my God. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ has done for my life. So we need to know what to do. We need to not get distracted. Again, it's great to live our lives. All these things that are, that are again, very important, but we need to not get distracted. We need to remember our God. We need to be reminded of God all the time, not just on Sunday occasionally, and we need to stay ready looking for his return. See, that's my prayer for us, is that we're not going to get distracted, that we're going to remember our God and that we're going to stay ready to make sure, first of all for us, do I have a friend, Savior, and Lord in Jesus to be with me to the end of the world? And then secondly, for the others around me, what about my friends? Do they have a friend in Jesus to be their friend, their Savior, and Lord for the end of their world? I'm telling you, we have the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. We have the gospel, the good news. We've got to stop being ashamed. We've got to stop being fearful. And we need to be kind in all of our presentation. But we need to help people understand that God loves them and he's got a great plan for their life. That we want, again, something for them, not something from them. So I want to pray over us today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.